Oh, give me the rock. Thank you. Hello and welcome to... Man, I used to really think of these uh, like in a good way. And it was a fun, you know, it was one of the fun bits of the podcast, you know, but, uh, let's see what could be funny. What could be funny? Uh, what, what would you think would be a funny podcast that this could be pretending to be? Boy, I don't know. I mean, we definitely need to lean on our pro Russian sympathies right now. Sure. Well, that's Kevin, everybody, obviously, but yeah, I'm Spencer. Okay. So pro Russian sympathies, um, Okay. Notorious uh, Putin fanboy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the Soviet cast, the podcast coming from Russia. It's a podcast that no one listens to because Russia has been kicked off all of the internets and everyone's mad at them and stuff. And that's the joke, I guess. I don't know, Kevin, that doesn't, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's my fault. You, you don't, you don't ask for a pitch if you're not ready to accept one, you know, but, uh, anyway uh so yeah i'm spencer what up we're here uh and it is that happens the show and oh boy you know what today is kevin what what's today today is the 50th episode of the show and so i thought we would have a little special guest you know someone the fans would be a big fan of you know fans of his work fans of his comedy honestly fans of his personality and i don't you know there's an argument at me at least to be made that a lot of people maybe not everybody but a lot of people wouldn't be here without his help so today we have a special guest and you might be able to guess who it is but it is kevin day everybody oh my god it's you know it's the 50th episode you know we had to do it in style we had to bring out the big guns and get kevin day in the house how you doing kevin i'm great i'm doing great i i cannot believe this is our 50th show that's crazy yeah and i can't believe we got him you know we got you it was amazing it's such a get um you know you you texted me telling me it was gonna be the show and asked me if i wanted to do anything and i would be like i was like uh oh man i wonder if we could pull some strings and get get jeff on the show maybe that could be a lot of fun (laughs) you know uh, i think the fans might enjoy that um but i don't i honestly don't even know what jeff is doing right now is he touring i thought he was like shooting a movie or something for some i don't know why i believe him to be shooting a movie but that's in my head i don't remember him ever saying that to me but i don't know uh what do you have any guesses no i thought he was still on tour because i think in in like a week or two he's going to be at a stop near us yeah so oh man i think he's touring maybe we can get an autograph (laughs) That could be fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But it's the 50th episode. Uh, oh, man. So uh, here's another question. It's the 50th episode. Next week is Callie's 50th episode, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to be the real barn burner. Uh, you know, there's going to be fireworks. It's going to be crazy. But uh, but she started doing the show before us, didn't she? Or did she not? Yes, but she skipped more episodes. Yeah, she must have skipped a lot. Of, I mean, it's just interesting because it's like, I, I don't know. I It's interesting that we're so close to each other given those two numbers. They just must happen to sync up, I suppose, right? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, maybe it's not that interesting. Maybe it's just kind of math. 
But uh, what, what's up, Kevin? What do you got going on? You said you were exhausted. You got any life updates? Life updates. Uh, we went to a murder mystery dinner thing last night. Oh, God. Where it's Who's like the one of murderer. It was COVID all along. Well, it, it, it really honestly made no sense. It was, I mean, I, I'm not trying to like disparage these people because they actually put forth a really good show, but it was, it appeared to be a bunch of like Second City actors doing a side job of doing this murder mystery thing that was all very improv and like they kind of like seemed to be making it up as they went along so oh. like there there was absolutely zero way to have solved the murder mystery by just the clues they gave because there was just there, there was not enough information so it was they just basically picked a a, a suspect as as the the murder mystery killer and you mm -hmm. were somehow supposed to know that Okay, so are you a fan of mysteries? Yes, I mean, you know, I, I, I liked solving puzzles and things like that, and I thought this was going to be one of those where, like, you're going to have to pour through all these clues and then, like, find that this number and this number matched up that nobody else picked up on or that there was a note under your table or, you know. I've done a few of these before that were really well written and scripted and choreographed and everything, where this was just, it seemed like a bunch of, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it seemed like a bunch of improvers just trying to put together a show that the murder mystery was sort of a side piece to. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge mystery fan. Um, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but like anytime I witness any mystery content or whatever, it's always like, okay, could any person have figured this out? watching the show right but is that what you're supposed to be going in on certainly there's shows that you could never figure stuff out and like there's shows that don't even give the appearance of like there's no way anyone could have guessed this there's no clues you know right. but is that that's a big part of the lure right is like trying to at least think about the mystery if not getting it i mean i think there's like there's three different ways they can go with it one is they make the solution so obvious that it attracts people who want to feel smart by solving it you know because mm -hmm. It, it, it's it's painfully obvious or they make it just absolutely impossible to solve you know which is i think more frustrating because you had no choice of solving it or right. you know if you if you really do it well there's a one in a hundred chance you're going to pick up on the one clue that nobody else did those, yeah those i think are, are, are very well written and I, I would enjoy those but you, you don't know if you have that until after you've sat through it all well, that's the thing about any mystery is it does need to be written. There's like a lot of like heavy lifting kind of structurally that needs to fit into place for it to be like at all satisfying because you need to, uh, you know, leave the breadcrumbs and you need to have these reversals that they play really well both ways, you know, and it's just that takes a lot of uh, complicated thought. I don't know. It, it just makes me think of um, in, in Harm, uh, not Harmontown, whatever. When I was in um, communities, the writer's room, like when I was hiding out there, uh, you know, there's there's collections of couches and I could crouch behind them and they'd be talking about story and stuff. And um, there, Dan would sometimes have these big ideas for like mysteries or capers or heists and stuff for an episode. And ultimately, there's like a scammers episode, which is kind of like where all that thinking eventually went. But the problem that kept happening was like, there's just never the step of the process where it's like, okay, so what actually is the path that this mystery takes as it unfolds? 
and like just no one ever bothered to think that they just always put like tbd this and tbd that and we'll think of this but it's like no this is when that's the kind of story you're telling you have to completely build it around the actual twists and turns you are going to take you can't just figure them out later or hammer them you know simply into the story circle like it can fit on the story circle but it just doesn't naturally fit it's like oh of course the goddess point so it must be a red herring or whatever you know it doesn't it's not really super convenient um yeah. i don't know why did i get off on that tangent no all right and i'm not asking for like inside information but are you referring to kind of like the ass crack bandit storyline that was in community that was never really had a payoff well it was never really supposed to have a payoff but that i think actually felt a little bit okay as a mystery just because it was a pretty close parody of the twists and turns and it's like oh who is this and you know and and it us believing it's different people especially at the end is like you could conceivably believe different like you're kind of supposed to believe that oh everyone honestly believes it's everyone else and they have a solid claim and then you're supposed to like conclude it probably was annie but still there's a pretty strong moment in that episode where it is like no it could be jeff it could be dean it could be you know it could be anyone and and i think that's kind of supposed to be the takeaway so i think that was actually pretty well done but no it was like the height it was like a scam episode like a con artist episode everyone was trading um suitcases and stuff it eventually turned into like some sort of caper episode but it just wasn't anywhere near as elaborate or silly as like the initial kind of conceit was because again it's supposed to be this kind of like wild goose chase kind of con artist movie and it didn't really i don't know i mean it kind of you know com community is all already all all <laughs> a bit like uh i can't talk um a heist movie or something because like usually at some point jeff is just like you know what you know actually everything bad is good and then people are like oh yeah you're right and then the episode ends and it's like haha the prestige and it's like yeah no everything was bad but he just you know he just talks his way out of it and everyone agrees because it's like, yeah, no, it's time to end the episode, you know, and, and there's not really a great reason why it should actually buy the justification. It does, you know, in, in the good episodes and stuff, I think you do buy these motivations and stuff, but in the, in the less good ones, they, it feels very, oh, well, Jeff said the magic words and now the show resets for the next episode, which is, you know, not, not ideal i don't know you know whatever it's a nitpick there's there's all sorts of nitpicks uh whoa, jesus christ dude um what this murder mystery thing i don't know why do you so you've been to good ones i just like it seems to me it just seems like it would be so bad i don't know i i guess what i find abhorrent about it is probably what people find fun about it which is like oh look i'm mrs beauregard it says on the cut the, the card and haha i love my poodle haha you know and so people can be all like oh i'm doing the thing and isn't this fun to be having an activity but i mean i guess that's what D, &D is anyway um so maybe i'm just being stupid but no, i mean I've, I've been to good ones this one i i don't know like they had some obvious plants in the audience that were like talking in exaggerated stage whispers and just like Ugh. way too enthusiastic when getting called on and stuff like that that made it just blindingly obvious that okay it, it it's him you know 
Right. That seems like a format choice because like if there's people that need to pipe information, I think there's ways that you could do that in ways there's like, yeah, this is part of the show, of course. Whereas that seems like, oh, we're trying to both be obvious and hide it at the same time, which is like, well, what? What are you going for here? Is this subtlety or is this, are we supposed to be like, no, this is an obvious plant or is it supposed to be like, oh, I'm just taking earnest information at face value. Oh my God. You know, I'm a four-year-old. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, you ever do um, those rooms, escape rooms? Uh, we've talked about this, haven't we? What yeah, I've, I've tried a couple. Um you know, I, I feel like, again, it's it's either one of those that is just impossible to figure out and people, some people enjoy that, or it's blindingly obvious. And that, that fine line between the two is so rare that I didn't really enjoy them. Yeah, I, I've only done one escape room and I don't know, I found it very frustrating just because I was thinking about it in terms of, oh, we're going to be solving puzzles, almost like if you opened a book of puzzles, you know, it would be yeah. things like that. But it was it was more kind of like practical problem solving stuff for instance there was like a thing where you had to i think you were trying to like wire something because it was a titanic themed escape room and so we were trying to like wire something and what you did is you would drag uh oh no i think you had to take a key but the key was like attached to a pipe and so you had to drag the key along the pipe ring like without it getting stuck on dead ends so it's like basically you're just kind of like doing this maze or something but it's like well that's not I just trace the line and then go that way. It's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know who's going to be all like, oh my God. And they're just smashing the key to the end. And they're like, it's a dead end. What do I do? And they're just smashing it. Like, it's like, like, no, this is very clearly. It's like a three branched path. And let's just go. I'll just check out this branch. Okay. You know, I don't know. So, and then there was another point where there was a gun in one of the bedrooms. It was like a, you know, like a bedroom of the Titanic or whatever. And um, there was a locked door that we were supposed to use to shoot the lock. And and I guess that's logical, but it's like, I'm not thinking like, oh, the puzzles, I'm going to have to shoot a lock and do something fake physical, you know, because it's like, well, the gun's not going to shoot. Why would I believe the gun would shoot? And why would I believe the gunshot would would shoot the the door open in a metal bulkhead? Like it's like it's like I don't know. It's just it doesn't seem very puzzling, but it is. Like it's a pra again, it's like a practical puzzle, but it's just like but so like those ones I was just like, well, I'm sure any person would have got this. Well, the key thing I got instantly. But the the gun I it's like I'm sure anyone would have got this, but for me I just did not think of it because it's like, well, it's a puzzle room. You're not going to be shooting doors open. <laughs> like yeah. that would be stupid um but you know maybe it was really smart but uh you know i don't know the rest of it i thought was pretty cool but i mostly you know went between just kind of like oh my god we got to solve this to like i don't like this puzzle design yeah <laughs> which is maybe special insight or perspective for me you know who knows the one that i did so there was like this i think it was an eight by eight grid of like uh plug sockets like for a guitar cable and so they gave you like this handful of guitar cables and the clues told you that you were supposed to take these four guitar cables and know like you plug them into each cable goes into two of these sockets on an eight by eight grid mm -hmm. and so like i spent pretty much the entire half hour trying to like find a clue to figure out which one was supposed to go to which one you know because there was you know like a thousand possibilities of how you could have done this 
Yeah. And could not figure the clue out. So gave up time ran out. And I asked at the end, okay, so how was I supposed to like, what clue did I miss? And they were like, Oh, there wasn't one. You were just supposed to try them all. Like you were supposed Damn. to like, you know, take these cables and try a thousand combinations until you found the one that opened the door, which mm-hmm. to me doesn't seem like a puzzle. You know, like uh, that's brute forcing a solution, not uh, a puzzle, you know? Yes. So that raises the question. Like when I went, there's two things. One of them, they said there will be a hint for every puzzle and like just one hint so like you'll either find some sort of puzzle or some sort of hint that's basically all or it's just like set dressing you know and so it's like and so but i don't think they ever had one where it's just like there's no hint maybe the hint's like a bad hint but i don't think they would do something where it's just like oh no this is unattached to anything we're talking about which is like what it sounded like where it's just oh you just try stuff but then the other thing is when we did it there was cameras in every room and you can like they said do a special pose because you know i don't think they were listening they probably had to turn off the volume or whatever um but you know you could see on the security cameras if someone was like standing on one leg with their arms up and so they're like assume the pose and we'll give you a hint and so we got a lot of hints otherwise we definitely wouldn't have been able to finish in time was that a, is that a normal thing or is that something you had or no yeah um the the one that i did there was a button in every room that if you pushed it mm-hmm. they would come on and give you a hint right that's probably a lot cheaper um but yeah i don't know man it's it's a cool idea it's a really cool idea it's just like because it seems like i don't know like imagine like a crazy dungeon master doing like a crazy with a lot of money doing like crazy dungeon puzzles and stuff that were like really impressive and not just like you know someone got a book of puzzles and was hired to design like a dungeon or you know i don't know like not to uh talk down to them or anything it's just like you'd think that if someone was really inspired they might be able to do something crazy with that as a format but maybe you know it's more of these dinner theaters or kind of you know these uh I don't know, like uh, Dino and I think some of the Harmon gang was into him, like the these kind of live experiences where it's it's happening in a building and you could pay attention or not, but it's you know there's storytelling happening. Have you have you been on anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I long time ago did this like dinner theater thing that was like so you know Chicago had has this big like you know prohibition era gangster thing, and in one of the old buildings that actually was a speakeasy, you go through this secret little tunnel to get to it like under a street and then you end up in this hidden restaurant where they do this whole like dinner theater thing of i forgot what it was but it was like some like you know some 20s theme gangster shoot 'em up kind of thing that right. plays out and like they're moving through the audience as they do it and you know some random audience member gets taken as a hostage and stuff like that that was okay like i, I would have preferred not the audience participation but yeah that's more and that's more of a dinner theater thing than this like kind of like live ambient theater experience or i don't even know they have like names for these things i don't know what they're called though immersive whatever who cares who cares about any because 50 episodes jeff doesn't even know this exists like he probably doesn't even if you asked him if there is anything notable about sundays for him he would be like no what do you mean he wouldn't like think like i guess i do a podcast on sundays i don't know i shouldn't i i shouldn't shit talk jeff too much but it's it is something i think about you know i don't know yeah 
Do you have I anything mean, I, bad to say about Jeff? <laughs> I mean, nothing bad to say about Jeff. Uh, I Darn. just, you know, th- this was not the podcast I thought we were making. Not in a bad yeah. way. I think in the bad way. Yes. No, I think in the bad way. I, you know, I think uh, it's almost, you know, uh, you don't think of a name being a big swing, you know, when people are like, oh, you know, the winner. And then it's like more like the loser and stuff like that. But it's like that happened. It's like, no, it didn't. It did not. It's the podcast never happened. It didn't happen. That did not happen. That's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I don't want to, <laughs> I like podcasting, but you know, a 50th episode is like, what are we, this is just nothing. This has never been anything. We maybe need, you know, again, no offense to Kevin, but we maybe need like a real producer or something and then they can do all the work for us, you know, and then we just show up. I mean, you got enough work anyway, right? I, I, I have a lot of work. Yeah. And then, you know, then the producer's like, hey, we got uh, Joe Biden on, you know, we got special guest Joe Biden. It's like, holy shit. Like, uh, oh, my God. Why did we do this sooner? And then he's like, and also, you don't pay me money. I pay you money. And then we're like, oh, my God. You know, like, that seems good. Like, why don't we do something like that? Right. I can book guests if if that's where you're going with this. I could I could easily be booking guests every episode. I just don't want to. It's just it seems like there's just another person that should do more work than than us, you know. Because my the amount of work I do is nothing. Like I don't do any work. Okay. This is the show. Like this is this is my contribution is is working out uh, workflow possibilities on air on our fiftieth episode. I don't know. Or having midlife crises, who knows? Um, I don't know, man. We used to play D and D on this podcast. You remember that, yeah. man? I'm in a. This is. Oh, you know why? I didn't. I don't. Did I say this was going to be a bad show? That's why it's going so bad. Is I don't think I said it was going to be bad, but whatever. Um, Kevin, you know anything about Plato? Plato, not much. I mean, I I know you can make it yourself. Uh, nice. That's. I was talking about the philosopher, but when I said that, I was oh. like, it would be funny joke to reference Plato, and you did that, so that's good. Um, I maybe I should have done a joke the other way to kind of, you know, just whatever. But uh, yeah, you know anything about the other Plato? Not really. No, I'm I'm not big on philosophers. Not big on philosophers. Why not? You don't like philosophy? Do you find it uninteresting? Um, I just find it a little bit too soft. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of people saying obvious things and treating it as though it was super profound. Right. Yeah. And it's like everything is profound in the sense that like any time you watch anyone do anything, it's like, holy shit, like there's so much, you know, specific detail that goes into any random task, you know, from from assembling some sort of cheeseburger to uh, building a, a, a big just the biggest gun like a giant gun you know just a lot of detail goes into it but uh anyway i agree that uh it seems pretty dumb but at the same time it is like being able to just talk about the fundamental nature of reality and those terms there is something to me kind of interesting about that um what about plato jumped out to you oh i was just going to talk about you know plato he has the simile the metaphor of the cave and I ta- I promised ages ago that I might get into a pocket rant. And I don't think, I, have I talked about Plato's the Cave too much on the show here? I don't think so, no. Well, 
do you hey, do you know about plato's the cave uh, other th- than that, that it's a thing no yeah so i think it's a really important thing um to learn and i think everyone should learn it and you should probably learn it pretty early or uh, i don't know you know the thing is conservatives are great liars right everyone uh knows that they lie they lie all the time and the best part about it is it doesn't change anything it doesn't matter <laughs> like they're never hold to uh, accountable to uh their lies because something that the conservatives understand is that the truth does not matter the truth doesn't matter the truth is you know as fake as anything else um what you know the the realest thing in the world is our perceptions you know uh i don't know you don't know too much about philosophy but i think cartesian dualism is kind of about you know it's like oh you have the mind and then the external world and those are kind of like these separate realms because we're perceiving out of our minds so anything that we perceive has to go into this mind from the outer world and it never really connects you know you know i think they also talk about like there's no proof you exist this could all be a delusion you could be having a dream right now and you know you could have you could be in the matrix you know like all these ideas about your senses aren't the same as reality right but all we have is our senses so reality doesn't matter to the extent that only our senses and our sensory perception matters uh well, it only exists like it's the only thing that exists like to the observer and you know i think physics is like, this gets whatever who knows you know all my rants are pseudoscientific who knows but you know it also gets into like quantum physics and stuff where it's like observing something changes something like you might like the position isn't necessarily set without an observer so it's like maybe observable reality doesn't even exist outside of being perceived you know but you know plato's allegory of the cave gets into all this sort of things uh sort of stuff and i don't know i don't think i talk about it the same way it gets taught but when i learned it these things jumped out at me and so that's the way it kind of stuck in my brain but the the allegory of the cave is imagine a cave and if you heard this before i'm sorry um but i think again my spin is maybe a little bit different but imagine a cave the cave's really deep really deep really winding uh no light really gets in and at one end of the deep deeper end of the cave one of the you know dead ends of the cave you have you have kind of like this raised area think of a catwalk or something and then you have up in that raised area you have a fire so the fire um can you know cast light on these cave walls and if you were standing in front of one of these cave walls you'd see the light on the wall in this dark cave the cave is black other than the light from this fire on this wall and so if you're standing on the catwalk because of this cave you can pull up your hands and make shadow puppets onto the wall right so you have this essentially crude shadow puppet theater stage in this cave um and then imagine that setup and then imagine in front of that catwalk is these like iron chair cages kind of situations torture rack sort of things where you can strap a person into it and they are incapable of moving any inch of their body they're just incapable of moving they can't even like move their eyes really so they're locked into place looking right at this cave wall where these shadow puppets can be cast so so that's the setup you imagine you imagine this hypothetical person who 
all they've ever known their entire life is being locked into this torture chair. They've never spoken to another real person. They don't even know if there are other people. They don't know what they are because they haven't seen other people. They haven't heard, you know, real human speech. They haven't talked to real people to know what speech is. They don't, you know, um, they don't have any comprehension of reality or personhood because they haven't been taught these things. They've been locked in a cave. But what they have been taught is it's a shadow puppet theater. So people can stand on the catwalk and do puppet shows. And all the people can see their whole existence is these puppet shows. And if the people make noise, they can hear the pup, they can hear that noise. But, you know, they've never necessarily tried to speak themselves. Um, they don't know what language is necessarily unless the puppet shows uh, taught them that. But, you know, a person in this world, their entire reality would be composed of what these people taught them, these shadow puppets on the wall. If you held a shadow puppet of a book up or a person or a cat, you know, they would be like book, person, cat, sure, whatever. But they wouldn't think of a book or a person or a cat. They'd think of a shadow puppet, this static form on a wall. That's not a cat. It's a, it's a, it's a plane. It's a, it's a, the absence of light, right? You know, but, but in their mind, that's all it is because they don't know what a cat is. All they know is what a shadow puppet told them what a cat was, you know? So you can, so you, you imagine the metaphor with the conservatives and stuff, you know, it's like the reality outside the cave doesn't matter. What matters is the shadow puppets that we use to perceive the reality, Cartesian dualism. The shadow puppets are our perceptions, but we can't ever know whether or not they are reality or they are just our approximations of reality because we're stuck in this cave. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're building towards just to kind of zoom out because I am going to zoom back in because so imagine, um, a person who is locked up, you know, in such a way their whole lives, they've learned these values of the shadow cave paintings, you know, like, uh, you know, we don't, we don't like the light. We hate the light. It burns us. Uh, you know, movement is bad. It hurts us. Mer movement is painful. You know, you instill these values and that's all the values these people uh, have. And so what would happen if you suddenly undid some of the latches of their chair and and the and the, they get the slightest bit of freedom you know imagine their neck is finally able to move and they can move their head and wait a second they can see more there's more reality than they've ever seen in their life because they've never moved their head before and also what's this i'm in terrible pain because my muscles have atrophied so far that moving a single you know inch of my neck is going to cause me pain and so it's like oh my god you know hurting it hurts so much to move if you, you know, eventually got enough movement to kind of turn around and, and view the source of the light, that would be painful too. It's so bright. It's brighter than these, these, you know, uh, reflections cast on the wall. It's a fucking fly. It's fire. You've never seen fire before. Maybe you never even heard of fire before. Um, so everything, you know, is new and frightening and painful <laughs> and terrible. And all you want to do is kind of just uh, put it out of your head. Let's just keep looking at this wall. That's the most comfortable thing. Uh, I might be out of the energy to do more than that. But, you know, if eventually you were free enough, you might slowly experiment with moving, looking around. You might understand like, oh, this is a space. I can move in this space. You might even be able to kind of approach the fire. But again, it's just so bright. It's going to burn you. It's going to hurt. It's going to make you not want to look at it. But if you eventually get acclimated enough, you might and then you might realize like, oh, you know, there's things I can look down and see at my hands. I could see the chair I was in, and these are completely different than shadows. This is a whole different world. I can't believe I was perceiving shadows before, but you wouldn't be able to describe this to another person who was locked up. Like if you walked in front of them, they would 
be befuddled you would be like seeing an angel or a god you know because they've never seen a real person before they couldn't understand the language you were using you're saying the fire you're saying look behind you they don't know what any of these words mean they're just this crazy person ranting at them you know and then if you tried to be all like no okay so oh uh, what happened to me is i actually had to uh, get acclimated so let me take off this cage and then so then they can move and now they're in pain and you made them in pain you put them in pain and if they turn around their eyes burn because the sun or the fire you know and so uh you know it's just you have this natural i guess i kind of told this story out of order a little bit but we have this natural kind of instinct um to like uh or this natural not even instinct but this natural inability to understand outside of our own shadow language like we can't see the reality that other people have seen we can only kind of use the shadow language anyway um so so to kind of uh, divert just a little bit if you eventually walked out of the cave yourself you'd again be struck with the brightest light you'd ever seen, the real sun. You know, you wouldn't be able to go out in daylight. Even if you've been staring at the fire for ages, you still couldn't go out in the daylight, way too bright, you know? And then eventually, you know, you might go out at night and you might see like water and grass and be like, holy shit, there's like more colors than like just black and red and stuff, you know? You're, you're suddenly seeing the world as it truly is in real sunlight, not, you know, a real moonlight at this point. But, you know, at, at some point you're acclimated to the real world and it's like, I, there's so much, I was just in the tiniest portion of a cave my whole life, you know, and there's so much world out there. You look and you see your reflection, you finally actually know what you are, you know, because you didn't even know what you are. You thought you were something, but you didn't know what it was because you didn't have the language to describe it. Um, so you know it but it's so it's so many stages of acclimation so many new bright lights that burn you so much pain of acclimating every single time you know it's terrible so again kind of if you go back into the cave and try and explain this to people they won't do it and if you ultimately like try and drag them out of the cave they'll think you're killing them they'll think like oh my god i'm in the worst pain that i've ever been in i keep seeing brighter and brighter light that's burning my eyes making me impo i can't see anything you know and this person that i've never seen before and that i've never comprehended is it's dragging me painfully across a rock floor you know and, and so like you know they would be in the rights to think that you're hurting them you're you're traumatizing them and you might even be killing them and you know it's not unreasonable for a person in a position like that to lash out in violence and kill someone and if so you were trying to be like no you're just in a cave it's uh, it'll be so easy it's just give it you i swear 20 minutes you'll be fine. You'll be like, what? They'll kill you over that kind of conversation because they have this reasonable belief based on the perceptions and their sensory experience that what you're doing is really bad. And, you know, so you can't drag someone kicking and screaming, screaming out of the cave. You can't use your words to describe to them uh, the universe that they've never encountered. What you can do is manipulate them. You can go up on the catwalk and put up shadows and you can you can use these people you don't unlock them you can say like oh you know here's the shadows and also you know it, it hurts to look at the sun but sometimes it's good to look at the sun and oh man it hurts to move but sometimes it hurts to move and then later it hurts less and then it doesn't even hurt to move and then you slowly use the shadow language that they understand to incept these ideas in ways that they can accept and understand them that can work for your goals because if you just tell them the truth they will kill you but if you lie to them like you think they're the idiot pieces of shit like that are you know lower than animals they could do whatever you want you control them and again that's like 
that's what republicans understand they they know that no reality doesn't matter all that matters is being able to use the right words to get the right behaviors out of the people that they have all captive you know whereas democrats we just go like oh well i'm sure once they see the light they'll be like oh this is what reality is but it's like no they think you're killing them and when they see the truth they're blinded they can't see anything anyway <laughs> you know so like anyway uh so i think the allegory of the cave is really important to understanding how people work it was really big for me um because i don't know you know i there's there's I feel like I can be really logical, but I could also be really self-righteous. And a lot of that kind of weaves into it where it's like, if I'm being self-righteous, I'll feel like I'm being logical. And if I'm being logical, I can feel like I have the uh, logical capacity to be self-righteous given the circumstances. And it's not really logical, but, uh, but, but in, you know, other times it can be, and it's like, why don't you just be reasonable or whatever? But it's like, well, reasonable doesn't even exist and if it did it wouldn't mean anything to anyone anyway because like that's just not the reality anyone else perceives it only matters to me and i have no way of communicating this universe or this concept to anyone else you know and and words break down obviously you know you can say this but you, who knows if you really mean that again that's kind of the whole premise of the the shadow language and stuff <sighs> anyway any any big questions <laughs> you got any questions there will be a test um so I guess, how do you use this knowledge then to help people? Because it seems like, you know, kind of your underlying goal is like, hey, I tried to help this person and I wanted to show them the truth and they couldn't handle it. What do you think the, the, the solution to that is? Is there a solution? Yeah, the solution is you got to lie to people. You got to you got to understand the shadow language they're working with, the, their worldview, their reality, their terminology, their values. And then you got to manipulate them using those. <laughs> You know, like, uh, you, you know, like it's like a kid, uh, you know, if there's a kid that's being a brat and for instance, I don't know, they won't put on their life vest or something, you know, if you can say, if you can lie to them and say like, oh my God, you know, I just got your, I just got you a puppy. It's in the other room. Just put your life vest on and we'll go over there. You know, like that's justified. Like, but that's. <laughs> you know, obviously you could say that saving a child is a moral act and trying to, uh, you know, uh get arby's for instance is you know a selfish act but in either case understanding how people think and perceive is is really helpful to actually getting what you want especially if that's helping other people you know if, if you want people to improve you can't just be like oh no it's good to brush your teeth like you gotta really come up with a reason like you gotta convince them you know why it's in their best interest i don't know whatever whatever man we we didn't really talk oh man okay so i've been wanting to talk to the audience with the call-in system but we haven't solicited any callers or a topic or anything and like on tom's show on on uh the best show where they talk to the audience members um he does a long show and he also just like at the top of the show he says what the topic is and he says the number and stuff but we probably missed the boat on that you think we could talk to people i i could come up with an a, a question it would have been good to do this before i went off on a rant so then like the whole rant you know whatever uh what yeah, we no, do, let's, let's give let's give people a topic and then we can okay. chat a little bit and then come back when we i have a couple people waiting so the topic is uh why did you risk it all you know um you know people take big risks they take big chances in their life uh, sometimes they take big swings that fail. Sometimes they miss, you know, you go on a passion project, 
uh, you know, uh, it falls apart. You try and change jobs. You try and start your own business. I don't know. You know, you uh, start a Patreon, um, th- these kinds of things. And uh, yeah, so like sometimes they succeed, sometimes they fail. I don't know. Um, you got anything like that? Um, okay, so I'm asking people in chat, why did you risk it all? I've given them the instructions how to call wow. in. So let's give them a couple minutes and then I'll, I'll pop back to them. Okay, cool. I have a philosophical question for you while we're waiting. Sure. I think this is Plato, but again, I'm not really much into philosophy here. But Mm -hmm. there's kind of a a philosophical belief that there is no such thing as true altruism. You know, you can't do something truly altruistic because you're still doing it because it makes you feel good or you're doing it for some other reason. Nobody does anything for a truly just to help somebody else kind of thing. Do you believe in that? Yeah, it, it's like, yes, I'd say generally, I agree with that. I think when you were saying it, I was just now thinking like, oh, maybe there's caveats on stuff. But like, I feel like there's maybe a little bit of caveat just to, I think if you think something will do good, you can sacrifice for it, even if it doesn't necessarily make you feel better. It's like, oh, this will be good. And it's like, I think like you could argue with this no altruism model. It's like, oh, they're trying to buy some form of peace of mind, but I don't know if they actually get that peace of mind necessarily. They just think that it's part of like what they're supposed to be doing. And I think in those situations, those people are probably not motivated by uh, any sort of kind of altruism i guess that's still probably self-interest in a lot of cases but i think there's like a circumstance where you do something fruitlessly or just thinking it'll help and it's just kind of bad it's just a waste of everyone's time you know but yeah i I, yeah like so if you give to charity you know you think that you're being good and you think it's good to be good and so you think you're doing a good thing and you think you're adding to the sum total of good in the world and that is giving you some amount of peace of mind or satisfaction which is selfish and i agree with that i think I, I i do things where i feel like i'm doing them just to be nice or just to help people and i don't like question oh is this just a selfish desire to like get praise or feel better about myself i i, I think about stuff like that but i still do the thing and i i personally try not to uh be super forward with stuff like that like um i don't know like recently not recently years ago the person i was driving behind a person in griffith park and they threw out a flaming piece of paper out of their car in like a middle of like wilderness with uh dead leaves and stuff and so i pulled over and like stomped it out and that's like the kind of thing i usually wouldn't like tweet about if i did which i've done stuff a little like that that seems like a higher stakes incident but i do stuff like that a fair amount or like i'll pull my car over and pull debris out of the street and stuff but like a lot of like i I talked about like i tweeted about when i stopped the fire just because i was like well if there's an arsonist i'd rather share information you know because it's like who lights a people piece of paper on fire in their car while they're driving on a mountain road and throws it out you know in a like a relatively dry patch of kind of like vegetation it seemed really intentional to me but uh but yeah yeah. so yeah so i but i do agree i don't know what about what do you think i don't know like i feel like i do things that are truly altruistic but i've had people argue with me that no i'm not you know like I i think a lot of what i do like say you and me are doing something i try to like figure out like if i were in your shoes the kind of person you would want me to be you know what what would right. what would help you the most and i try to be that person just 
in between like one or you know just between me and one other person and just in general like i try to be the person that i would have wished was there and i don't have any expectations from that i don't have any you know i don't get some kind of good feeling afterwards i just am like hey this is how we all need to act you know the world would be a much better place if everybody did this so i'm gonna do it yeah i'm like that too yeah sorry go ahead do you do you think that though alone invalidates it as not being altruistic then well okay everything you just described there you could also map on to like it would be nice to eat a candy bar it's like oh yeah you know sometimes someone needs a candy bar and it's like all this stuff's true but it's like at the end of the day it is kind of just like it does make you feel good it's like it makes me feel better to know like okay so so for instance sometimes i will give people money um you know, not like people ask me for money. It's just like homeless people or like charity or not charity or like GoFundMe's and stuff, you know, and like, and I do it because I know it'll help them. And like, I'll feel good. Like, I know I'll just spend that waste that money. Like if I spent the same amount of money on food over the course of like three months, or I spent it on weed or video games or something you know it wouldn't make me feel as good as spending that money helping someone and it is legitimately helping someone so it's like i can help someone legitimately with this money and that'll make me feel good like feel better or i can spend this money on myself and i know that how like far that satisfaction goes and it's not very far so it's like that is like i am trying to help people that is a huge part of the calculus but another part of it is like this like it's almost implied and i would rather do this with my time and money than do something else right now you know um which you know sometimes you're in the mood to help and sometimes you aren't you know sometimes uh, like there for me there's a lot of times where i really want to help someone and then i don't and uh, i think that's another reason why i'm driven to help a lot is maybe just to kind of uh, put a like a, a tamp on those kind of guilt feelings you know it's like well i helped this other person so maybe i can feel fine that i didn't do anything this time or something i don't know um you got any you got oh i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll go one further though i you know i've talked about this before but i don't believe in free will so it's like i don't even think anyone does anything for any reason let alone you know good or bad and i think it's kind of similar because it's like if everyone's driven by their baser instincts then everyone's also driven by physics so it's like i think those are similar they're different levels of complexity but they're similar philosophies on like reality and ethics but do you, yeah. I mean, just to see if I can, I'm understanding this. Are, are, is your belief sort of like that, you know, you are a computer running this program and when you get these inputs in, you're going to cre- do these actions and that's, you know, any yeah. illusion of free will is, is just an illusion and you're going to just do what you're going to do because you have, that's who you are. Yeah, that, it's, yeah, we saying? are programs. We, we, we accept stimulus and we, we, we have outcomes. We result, we make thought and those thoughts make action. You know, it's, it's the same as any program. Yeah, I definitely believe that. I think all creatures are the same way. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, like it doesn't mean like, oh, I can go on autopilot because you can't, you know, but from a fundamental, like uh, religious level, yeah, I do believe that we don't have free will. It's just, again, I don't think it matters. Like there's no reason dwelling on it. Anytime anyone has ever dwelt on free will and fate and stuff, like that it's always it's always felt stupid to me it's like well knowing or not knowing doesn't change like saying hey the world could end tomorrow that doesn't make it going to happen it's just yeah everything's a possibility like all these things could have it doesn't change anything you know like uh so yeah but yeah i just think like you know it's uh, it's just physics right like think about it all physics is particle collisions 
um you know are all reality is particle collisions and so the big bang was um chemical reactions are particle collisions particle collisions are just billiards billiards are just physics physics are just you know it's dominoes dominoes they fall you know like everything that's happened is a result of complex particle collisions that are so complicated that we could never possibly understand them but hypothetically I think they could be understood. You know, if you had like a crazy computer at the beginning of time and watched the the Big Bang for long enough, you might eventually be able to be like, okay, it's been two eternities. We can predict the next eternity because we have enough data now to see, oh, this is how all these particle collisions behave. You know, I think it is because otherwise, you know, otherwise we'd live in a magical world where laws of physics don't apply, right? I don't I don't think of any I don't think there's another option really, right? Like even quantum physics, isn't that, that's very, pretty magical, honestly, right? The idea that a particle stops existing because you don't look at it, that's stupid. It's honestly stupid. And it, in, in my opinion, there's probably a more logical, there's probably a more complicated explanation that we don't understand yet. And so it just appears to us that way. But the underpinning of reality is maybe more complex and makes more sense logically than that explanation. Anyway, it looks like we have people in the visitor's room. Um, so I, you know, I got to ask, uh, do I have the boot privileges? You do, you do. And I, okay. I believe both of our, our guests are repeats from last week too. Oh boy. I'm sure they love to hear that from me. Just an exasperated. Okay. Um, should, we, should we start with the first one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Mr. Luke is joining right now. And he's connected. Oh, I was just going to wait for him. Oh, here we um, go. Oh, did we get both of them? We got both of them. Okay. Oh, my God. Did, oh, did I do that? I think I did that. Okay. okay. So, uh, so hey, Luke, uh, it looks like we got Kelly connecting. So, okay. So, uh, so, so I guess I, I think that was my mistake. Um, but we are going to, we're going to have to take turns because I accidentally fucked up. Uh, let's start with Luke because I think we admitted uh, Luke. So, if you want to. You can boot me Kelly, right now. If, if you, you have, no, if you have anything funny to say, Kelly, you can, you can, you can chime in. But I would say kind of mute to start off. Uh, Oh, I can mute you too, but I'm not going to. I'm going to respect you at the moment. But like I said, if you have anything to chime in, yeah, yeah, pop off. But uh, well, let's let's talk to Luke, our first our first uh, call in. Where were you calling from again? I'm sorry. I'm from uh, Pokeshaw, New Brunswick. Okay, that's. Yeah. I don't remember that last time. Did I not ask you where you were from last time? I think we talked briefly about it. Bowling alleys. Uh, Brunswick, yes, Brunswick. Okay, yeah, we talked about Brunswick. Okay, yeah, New Brunswick. Okay, awesome. So, what was the question? Oh, it was about risking it all. When did you risk it all? Uh, I hitchhiked across the country a few times. Yeah. So what was that I, like? Uh, it was a lot of things. Scary, fun, big adventure. It was like how uh, many times? Five by the end, maybe. Like back and forth trips, five times. Gee, okay, so what possessed you to do this? Adventure, man. Uh, it was like, uh, I was really into choose your own adventure books as a kid, and it kind of went from there. By the time mm. I was 16, I kind of felt I had plateaued with learning at home, like my parents had taught me kind of all they could. So away I went. I grabbed a backpack and a guitar and was a traveling bard. Wow. Well, what was the biggest, what were the biggest wins and losses of, of your, of your risk of your risks? 
Like, ah. what's you know, what's the coolest and worst things that happened? Um, life experience was one of the coolest ones. It just mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I had to learn a lot of lessons that aren't common experience or anything like that. But I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, there were a lot of good times and a lot of bad times. Uh, met a lot of famous people uh, along the way for what that's worth. But uh, more than that, I learned to be who I am today, I guess. Yeah. What was the most danger you were in? Oh, Lord. Uh, People that were drunk and driving with firearms in the vehicle, uh, as far as hitchhiking goes. Um, Yeah. Remember, folks, Spencer says not to drive while drunk unless you have firearms in your vehicle <laughs> yeah no there, there were a lot of strange times out there i mean you know it's like the barnacly underbelly of society so you end up you know out after midnight and and seeing a lot of crazy crazy shit yeah all right so okay awesome well that answers that question uh do you want to go on mute and let kelly talk for a bit if you have anything funny to pop off with you can otherwise uh you know, I don't know. I'll have to find a funny uh, combo time to kick both of you, huh? I feel uh, like barnacly yeah. underbelly is a really like East Coast thing to say. Very maritime thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I oh, don't boys, think about barnacles the sea. in life. Do people think about the sea very much? They do in New like Brunswick, I think. In New Brunswick, yeah, we think about it lots. Fisheries are are one of our big industries here. Mm-hmm kevin so, yeah, says uh he feels about- like jeff does i don't i i yeah jeff loves all these naval books i don't know what the deal with that is but yeah no i guess yeah but also i don't know i feel like on the east coast you feel closer to the the ocean or something than on the west i don't know maybe that's just me but uh anyway what was what, what's, what's going on uh kelly what, what's 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 your danger Bane? like what's your what's your risk what how'd you risk it all why'd you risk it all yeah this this sucks i don't know how to follow that mine is way less cool there's no drunk people or firearms in my story well we can add some <laughs> yeah we'll add some uh yeah i don't know i was just gonna talk about I, i'm kind of doing a risk right now because i stopped doing shitty jobs that were making me miserable and i'm trying to focus on some creative projects and in some ways that is like already financially hooped me uh and uh yeah i'm trying to get into like freelancing but it turns out uh everyone wants to edit video and there's a kid in india who will do it for like 10 cents so that's bad yeah man i've been on tiktok a lot lately and fuck like this next generation it's just like you know how kind of photoshop became almost like this de facto like job requirement like where you don't need it but like everyone just could use photoshop and it wasn't like the kind of marketing draw it used to be video editing is gonna be like that because to be on tiktok you basically just need to be a one person production studio it's insane the kinds of shit uh, like kids will do uh you know i mean obviously they have time and stuff but it's it's still impressive and it's it's just a, a normal skill like like typing was when i was a kid you know it's crazy um it's yeah i i it's it's definitely gonna shake the foundations of the world that's you're trying to get into uh uh, well i sort of i i I wisely chose to try to get like 10 percent good at a lot of things and not 100 good at anything so Mm -hmm. you know like i went to school i got a certificate in game design i don't use that uh i uh i've taught myself video editing and like i can do more than like probably a random jag off but i'm not entrepreneurial i don't know how to like market myself and yeah i tried starting like a, a live stream show with some friends locally just trying to like 
do role playing with local guests and like wow that's a slog uh i, oh, I envy yeah. someone who says i can get a guest every week because like oh getting guests is a nightmare <laughs> yeah you know when kevin said he could get a guest every week i didn't He's believe flexing. it you know it was just you know i've talked about how a lot of times kevin will say something and i'm like there goes lying kevin always lying and then i you know because i forget to uh correct for the fact that kevin seems to generally be a truthful person but um yeah i just yeah i associate him with lies um but no i agree it's just it's hard it's hard to do a show at all it's hard to get another person to show up at all it's um hard to start streaming it's hard to grow an audience uh especially from like a small following i mean i have a pretty big following and you know like on twitter uh or on twitch and stuff i don't get a lot of you know i get i'm not like uh, upset with my views but when i first started streaming years and years ago it was a real surprise like i'll be like you know like what is it uh i like thirty thousand followers yeah it's like my ratio is like maybe one one in one thousand of my followers uh, watches my twitches which is again fine but it's like it's surprising and i don't know it's amazing that anyone has ever started from nothing and uh built up like some sort of media empire and especially these days you know but I don't well know. especially i found that like what's a real dick punch when you do put yourself out there and you're like hey you know what i'm finally gonna do it like i want to do a project we're actually gonna like follow through with it and you'll talk to someone who's like hey they're unemployed right now but they used to be an audio engineer and i'm like that's so good i don't know anything about it can you tell me how this thing works i don't know how to set these knobs and they're like oh man i'm really busy doing nothing and yeah. like, oh okay cool i'll figure it out I, I might be figuring it out i don't know yeah it's hard it's you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of people who ask for help and they don't want help. They want other people to do stuff for them. And so I think people can be guarded in and not necessarily want to lend expertise, especially in kind of these, these like prof amateur professional kind of fields and especially like creative fields and stuff. I don't know. Like people will ask, I don't know the last time anyone's ever asked me if they wanted to get lunch, but it's a precedented thing to ask people in Hollywood to get lunch. And a lot of times that means like, Oh, Hey, can you offer me a job? And it's like, there are people who ask for lunch that just want to actually get real information and, and maybe get notes on a script or something. But a lot of people are just like looking for stuff. So I'd imagine a lot of people have been burned and they don't necessarily want to help and stuff, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I've, I've always tried to do all, all sorts of stuff my own i'm afraid for asking for help it's i've been fucked up as a kid but uh yeah i don't know right now i'm trying to do a secret animation project that i was telling uh, kevin about i'm trying to teach myself animation um and so i've just been drawing animating and it's a nightmare but it's really fun and uh yeah i don't know but if i had to rely on a single other person to do it i would be fucked and anytime I have to Google anything, it's fucked. It's like, it's, it's, I have to slog through a lot of things because no one knows how to explain it right. And it's like, ugh, I just don't know what I'm doing. It's hard. It's hard. But, uh, with which software? Like, what are you animating with? I am using Adobe. So I'm drawing in Photoshop. I'm doing some of the movement in After Effects and then I'm finishing it in Premiere. So I'm, and I've never really used any of those apps before except for Premiere, uh, to do a couple videos. So it's like, I'm learning. Oh, well, I've, I've done Photoshop as a kid, but not, I haven't used Photoshop lately. Um, and not, you know, like an artist does. Anyway, uh, you guys got any, either you guys got last words before we fucking kick you to the damn ass moons? Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, I'm, I'm jealous that you have Adobe. I'm torturing myself with uh, DaVinci Resolve. I'm, it's making me want to die. 
Um, yeah. And uh, so, no, I, I can't even uh, collaborate information with you. I couldn't tell you how to work your thing, but uh, you know, that's okay. Luck. If you want to outsource your editing, I'll do it. You never know. I mean, it'll, it'll be cool, but yeah, I don't, I would, I would hate to rely on another person, but uh, I don't know, you know, who knows? I, it's been fun doing it myself and just trying to teach, but who knows? I, I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Kelly, I'm trying to oh, kick shit. you and I oh, don't shit. know how. Oh no, I better say oh, something, no. uh, better say uh, something rude. Uh, yeah. Uh, this show needs more guests. Yeah. We got to get some more, uh, more guests on here. More D&D. Okay, yeah, more D&D. Start, start with D&D. It's too late then, for D&D. Is this going to kick him? Okay. There's it a delay. Okay. Sorry. I was killing it, my it timing last week. It just says remove. It seems like it's scary. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Uh, what's up, Luke? Uh, you got any last words? I'm sorry, hey, Kelly. Man. Yeah, no. Uh, happy 50th podcast. And Kelly, man, try stuff for 101 if you can't find anybody. Another shameless bug for 101 on your show. Yeah, man. Yeah, 101, uh, 102, you know, even better, right? Right, totally, or anything. Oh, it was just, I, it was just a little too late to, to catch him mid-sentence. I really should have set him up with like a better kind of pitch or something. I don't know. Man, another thing, you know, again, in reflecting on the 50th episode. Okay, so... I love complaining, but I feel like complaining make people take it stronger than I intend it. But uh, uh, to continue to complain, you know, no one likes this show. I don't think they should. I'm not saying more people should like it. I think the right amount of people are liking it in the sense that I don't think it's necessarily well executed or, you know, anything. I mean, I just I can't. I can't imagine that this has been like an hour, right? I guess it has been a little over an hour at this point. But the who would listen to this? This is insane. But you know, it is. I mean, it was. I'm just looking right, right now. Oh shit! Siri Apple, just started talking. Kevin, you got cut off by Siri. Oh, sorry. On Apple Podcasts, we have 4.8 out of five stars. That's mm-hmm. you know, people are enjoying this. I I don't know why, but people are enjoying this yeah no seven people are enjoying us absolutely yeah no those there's there's definitely people there's i'm not saying they're fake it's just the amount was less than i expected but you know again it's it's i don't i don't fault anyone it's not like oh i deserve more i absolutely don't i don't like well i think it's surprising we get this many but uh i why am i spiraling again i have another pocket ramp but i don't know if we have quite enough time it's a good one um a little over it's fine Okay, I, this is maybe going to take. Well, well, let's just do it. The other, the thing is, like these are these are topics I wanted. The cave was a topic I wanted to talk about for a long time. The other topic I wanted to talk about for a long time is the Apple method, which is what I learned at Apple Store uh, as part of my employee training, and it's been very helpful for, to me. It was called the Apple Steps of Service, which is how they want you to deal with customers and go through the customer service process. But they said it was also good for talking to people, or you can kind of adapt it to dealing with problems or working through issues with people. And it really helped me a lot. So, um, so yeah, let's just talk through the Apple steps of service. I, I'll talk to in, in retail terms first, and then talk about them in like maybe a more personal le- level. So the the first the first thing to know about the Apple steps of service is there's actually three P's, and the three P's go in any order. So there's three of them, but it's not like you have to do one first and then the other. They all kind of cycle depending on context. So the the Apple spelled out is approach 
position, uh, probe, present. Those are the three P's. And then listen and then exit. So approach. Approach is how you enter the conversation. You know, in retail terms, you know, you want to make eye contact, you want to smile, you want to be forthcoming and direct, uh, you know, try and be friendly, say nice things to them. Um, you know, if you can chat them up or ask them a question that kind of, you know, as an icebreaker, go for that. A lot of times they would say, you know, lead with telling them something about an Apple product they're near or looking at or seem interested in, or offer them a demonstration of something, or even just point out, oh, hey, did you, yo, you're looking at the iPad. Did you know about this feature? And then you just show like an obscure feature, like maybe, uh, I don't know, you can increase the text size on an iPad or something, you know? So you just quickly demo a feature. So it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of greasing the wheels to this interaction. You're, you're not confrontational. You're coming in kind of on the same direction, you know, Hey, Hey, let's, let's do it. You know, let's, let's, let's make this happen. We're having a conversation, you know, and in real life, this comes across or in personal relationships, this comes across as not, you know, being angry trying to choose the right moment of when to talk about things, you know, and not not being confrontational, uh, be upfront about your intentions, if that's relevant, um, where it's like, hey, I'd like to talk about this. Uh, it's not a big deal. I didn't want to get a fight about it in a fight about it. But this is something that was important to me. So I thought maybe I'd bring this up and see what you think, you know, stuff like that. You know, there's ways to frame interactions that are good approaches. Um, so that's a so think about your approach. Again, the P's are cyclical. Um, so depending on what what you're learning from the people, you're doing different things. So, but let's start with present. So present is uh, you offer them something. Um, when when you're when you're talking to a customer, you say something along the lines of, "Oh, if you're looking for video editing, a MacBook is actually surprisingly powerful, and you can use it on the go. And look at this screen, you know." And so you're presenting them a solution to a problem that they're having. And in for interpersonal conflict, this is about problems. So uh, presenting is about offering possible solutions, pitching solutions, trying to solve the problems. Um, so you know, in the sales term, obviously that's easy. Uh, you just pitch them products that you think that could be helpful. Oh, you like uh, editing videos? You know, you might want more RAM. I don't know. You know, but uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, but presenting happens. Um, in addition to probing, which is just asking questions, um, a lot of times you have to ask questions and there's a good and bad way to ask questions um, at Apple. You, They would want you to position permission and then probe. So positioning, well, let's talk about positioning because uh, there's there's presenting, there's probing and positioning. Positioning is maybe the most por important part. Um, positions, positioning is setting expectations expectations are what makes everyone un unhappy you know if 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 you were expecting to eat and you did not eat you had a misset your expectations did not get you know met and as a result you're unhappy if you were starving and you don't expect to eat and then a, a fruit falls out of the sky you know you know you respect like expectations weren't met but you they were exceeded your ex expectations were exceeded so expectations are kind of the key to happiness and upset, uh, frustration and stuff, which is important in the customer service uh, situation, obviously, and, you know, equally, obviously, interpersonal kind of relationships and stuff. Um, so 
So what positioning is, is trying to set the table politely and setting firm boundaries with clear communication that, that like cut off certain pathways that aren't productive and kind of frame things in ways that are productive. So in a, in a customer service experience, a customer comes in because they jizzed in their laptop and they want to get a better computer than they had before. Sometimes people do stuff like this where they demand like, you know, they come in with something from like 97 and they demand like the top of the line $5,000 computer as replacement for damage that they did, not even a dysfunction or a malfunction in the device. Um, and so setting expectations is um, in, in a healthy, you know, non-confrontational way. It's like, even if someone, you know, they're like, oh, they said on the phone, I could get a free phone or whatever the thing, you know, you go, well, we have a store policy of never offering free products in circumstances like this to customers. So we're not going to be able to help you out there. But what I can do is maybe offer you a discount or give you a free repair, you know? And so like immediately you're, you're positioning and you're setting expectations. You're saying, do not expect to get the better computer for your jizzed on keyboard. Instead, expect a mild discount at best because I am helping you in a way that you are not supposed to be helped. You know, it, you kind of elegantly do all these things by setting the right expectations so that if they keep saying, no, I want the free computer, it's like, well, I told you you're not getting one. Um, do you want to leave? Do you want to talk to my manager? Like, because we're not moving forward on that front. I'm sorry. You know, uh, we could go down these avenues. Um, so positioning is about is is like that. It's you know it's setting boundaries. It's it's making your needs known. It's if you have problems, it's bringing up the problems you have. Um, you know, and it's you got to do it in a way that doesn't feel like attacking and isn't confrontational. It's about personal setting boundaries. You know, stuff like that. And then. Uh, so then probing again is is ask, asking questions you know when you present something anytime anyone talks it's an opportunity to probe because people give you information if someone says oh i'm looking for a laptop for my kid it's like oh this kid's a student maybe they like games maybe they're interested in video videos you know it gives you some ideas on oh they probably want a laptop you might not necessarily want to drop a four thousand dollar mac pro on a on a teen you know so it's like and then but then it's like oh what does your kid like do they like sports do they like youtube you know and so now you're probing because you're trying to get better information so that you can present better solutions or you know set better expectations um sometimes you can set positive expectations where it's like oh you know you're here in the summer we have this back to school event we can actually i don't know if you're thinking about it but we can actually give you a free ipod touch or something you know so it's like sometimes you can set expectations in positive ways that kind of delight and surprise and that's another kind of thing you're supposed to be doing um anyway listen is l that's the second to last letter obviously any uh it kind of goes back into probing what i was talking about anytime any anytime they say anything that's opportunity for you to learn information and it could give you an opportunity to ask new questions it kind of strengthens your relationship with the customer or the person to show interest and and ask them questions but at the same time you know it helps you solve their problems it helps you present solutions that they need and that they're willing to accept and you know um and so obviously in a confrontation or personal conflict that means listening to the person and really understanding not just what they're saying but what the intent behind what they're saying might be people don't always necessarily have the words to say exactly what they're feeling but sometimes you can you can kind of intuit things that they they mean by stuff that they say but you know listening is a huge part of having any sort of conversation um and then and um at apple it was you know end with a an invitation to return usually you know say hey come back soon you know or, or there's other things like oh if you you know you should uh you should sign up for a class 
what we're doing, uh, you know, Monica's teaching everyone how to use PowerPoint or whatever, you know, just kind of because you're trying to make them uh, leave with the understanding, oh, they want me here. This was a comfortable place to me. It wasn't frustrating. I enjoyed being there and it didn't feel like I was being sold to, <clears throat> you know, it's a nice space to go. And, and so in a, in a personal conflict, um, it's, you know, this wasn't a fight. <laughs> this isn't me yelling at you. This is, I wanted to share a problem I had, or I wanted to address a problem you had, and this is the best way I thought of to do it. And I want us to be comfortable talking to each other. I want us to be comfortable being able to bring up problems we have to each other. And I want us to be able to work through them together and not feel scared by that, you know? And if, you know, this is what was weighing on me this time, but I want you to always feel this comfortable saying things that come up to you. So, you know, if ever, and if anything ever comes up and if you ever, you know, think about anything, please come to me. I'd love to talk to you like this. You know, I don't want to be causing you any problems. So, you know, anyway, so, so hopefully that kind of, is a really rough i mean i couldn't go in too much more depth i suppose if i tried but you know um <clears throat> between the apple steps and serve of service um and the plato's allegory of the cave i learned how to deal with humans in a way that i just never was capable of before i learned those things it just was like oh no this makes sense of course of course why would anyone else do anything else you know and and it's just but you don't think about this stuff i don't know and at apple they always said that you know this is going to be worth it like they would everyone would always talk about the apple method or the steps of services like you know when you leave here you're gonna have the apple steps of service and they're going to be good and helpful for you and you know everyone would talk about that when i was working there and it's absolutely true it's maybe one of the most helpful things i've ever learned but yeah anyway so hopefully one of those two rants might help you on this the 50th episode i don't know um you know the show isn't the show didn't the, that didn't happen the show doesn't exist what the show is is me and kevin talking and i guess people stop by and listen sometimes so you know i don't know the best we can hope for is the talks are either entertaining relatable or helpful right i don't know um so hopefully we did that obviously it wasn't what kevin was hoping for which is like you know the big special with dan and jeff and everyone i'm i'm sure i don't know what kevin was thinking but i'd, I'd imagine that's what he was planning but this is true to me to the spirit of the show which is just no one tried and no one really cares and we're just here and so we're just gonna uh, run out the clock you know um and hopefully sometimes it's good and it's not always gonna work you know but that's where we are um so thanks so much you got any last word kevin um if you're watching this live stick around 8 30 it's a brand new two hour long found crap rob just put together holy um, shit! and if you're not watching this live you better come check us out live um every sunday night starting at 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern at shrobhomevideo.com we've got like six hours worth of live programming every sunday including this show and you can call in and be a guest yeah yeah i, I want to talk to more uh fans that's something i want to do more no offense to luke and kelly but it's just you know when we caught when we talked to the fans on harmontown it was kind of cool to get different people every time like like please keep volunteering that's not the problem the problem is that i i would like to reach more people you're doing everything right you guys i appreciate uh, the volunteerism and thank you so much uh, i guess i want to plug real quick i have my patreon i just released uh, casinos and commerce the the march release this one is good you guys it's honestly I really just want to show I'm thinking of maybe just selling it on like DMs Guild or something because I just want it 
to see but i want more people to see it that's the thing about doing this patreon is i just want everyone to see this stuff but they're only going to see it if they're subscribed to my patreon but i have that i also have the big dogs DD stream we do that tuesday nights at usually about 6 p.m pacific time that's been going really well um i don't know you know i don't want to put too much too much expectation or weight on it but if it keeps going maybe we can put that on the the the, the sunday night feed or something because it is really fucking funny um yeah we uh we killed Nacho Man Dandy Ravage last week, so that was fun. Oh, and the the gang uh, got a new party, a giant frog man named Beef Lord. So yeah, you know it's a it's a great podcast. We held like a, a beefy boy competition to hire a new member of the party. Um, Jigsaw blew up Glenn Bell's head. Um, you know Jigsaw from the Saw movies. So you know it's I, I really think it, it, it's obviously silly, but I don't know. I think it's actually really funny and fun. So you should check that out. Uh, Twitch.tv slash frank howley or the sixler because i stream it too sorry kevin for going so over time but you know what they always say when the zeros be blinking my mind starts a thinking <laughs>